I've got a man who could only think straight when he was having a fiddle. I have a non-adulterous pope. Rare. Welcome to Date Fight. Hello. <laughs> it's the 1st of December. Pinch punch and all that. Yes, brilliant. And we've never done a December one before. We've never done a first before. Yeah. Amazing. So, uh, welcome along and uh, it's a very exciting date fight because it's the yeah. show where we pitch great moments in history against each other. Yes. We keep a tally across the week and whoever's the loser has to do a forfeit on the Sunday. That's right. This and that Sunday and we are currently at six all. Six all. He's Jake Yap. I'm Nat Tapley and we are absolutely on the edge of our seats because we bought inappropriate seating. <laughs> I'm going to take you back to the 1st of December, 1887. Mm-hmm. And Study in Scarlet is published. It's the uh. first outing uh-huh. for Sherlock Holmes. Mm. Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, inimitable detective. And Although many people tried to imit... Yeah, actually, most imitated and most unbelievably <laughs> imitable. Yeah. He was so imitable. Yeah, just put on a deer stalker hat and yeah. shove a pipe and, in. And, it's a a piece, and say elementary. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. You're right. I was completely wrong. <laughs> he's, he, he's the most detective. massively imitable. <laughs> <laughs> I was polarly wrong there. Fine. Uh, the story first appeared in Beaton's Christmas Annual for 1887, mm. which are, they're very rare now. There's Cheery only Christmas 11 murder. complete copies of the magazine in existence. Uh, who was who your ultimate Sherlock? Ooh, um, I like uh, Jeremy Brett. It's my favourite. What one is he? I don't know him. The ITV one, ITV in the 80s. Oh, Basil Rathbone. Rathbone's good, but he's no heroin. He, I mean, what? Jeremy Brett's really? actually really? heroin addicted while he's doing it. Oh, well, that's method. Yeah. Methadone acting. <laughs> <laughs> that's my Sherlock one. What, what's your one, then? I'm going to go for the 1st of December, 800. Gosh. When Charlemagne sat in judgment of Pope Leo III. Leo oh. III wasn't a very popular pope, because the pope before him... <clears throat> we, we've talked extensively about papal sequels. We have. <laughs> pope Leo III. Um, the pope who came before him was Pope Adrian... And Pope Adrian's followers and relatives didn't like Pope Leo because Pope Leo was poor and he wasn't a nobleman. And they thought only Ugh. noble people should be popes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so they hated Leo III and they accused him of adultery and perjury. Wow. And Charlemagne had to come from France to uh, judge over whether or not he thought Pope Leo III was guilty of adultery and perjury. And there was a very... How do you broker a thing like that? You know. I don't know, I you're, you're a... Ter- do you know what... I'm Charlemagne. Get Charlemagne. <laughs> so get get Char- Charlemagne in Can here. we get Char- Hello, Charlemagne. Oui. Can you come to. Hello? <laughs> Salut. Qu'est-ce qui se passe? Okay, so the, he, the way he found out whether or not <laughs> Pope Leo III was guilty of adultery and perjury was he made him say whether he did it or not. That's genius. And Pope the Leo III said, I didn't do it. And so that well, was the end of that. I mean, you can't argue with that. He swore not to have done it. It was called an oath of purgation, which means, essentially, cross my heart and hope to die. God yeah. is watching this. Yeah. And if I am telling a lie, then I'm going to suffer in hell for all eternity. And so if you're a pope, you're meant to believe in that. Yeah. So a pope, all the pope has to do is say, I didn't do it. I swear on baby Jesus that I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get let off. Yeah. But there, I guess, you know, may God strike me down on all that. Yeah. 
and he didn't strike no, him down. Pope Leo the third went on to give birth to Leo the fourth. I don't know how popes work. <laughs> Isn't it like a skin shedding thing yeah. with lizards? It just <laughs> comes it's out. Leo. And, yeah, and then he eats like the Leo yeah, the third skin because of the nutrients are in it. <laughs> you know, there's a, a toad that hibernates in the desert. What? It lives in the desert. Yeah. And it buries itself like several feet underground, mm. and it can live for something like four years down there what? in this state of hibernation. And the whole of the outside of it it becomes this sort of film, this hardened thing, and it, <laughs> it's sort of impermeable, and it keeps all the water inside mm. it. And then once every however many years, when the rains come, yeah. finally it soaks down and sort of starts to soften the skin, and the toad comes back to life, and then eats all of its skin off mm. and crawls out and makes toad babies. Ooh. And that's how popes... <laughs> that's how popes work. Speaking of deserts, do you know uh, where the biggest desert in the world is? Antarctica. Yeah, you did, right? <laughs> Fair enough. <clears throat> so anyway, Pope Leo... a big disappointment, isn't it? ...at his skin yeah. and proved he didn't do a perjury. <laughs> He was not smoked. He told the truth. Yes, he told the truth. Brilliant. I feel like... I feel like... All right. I feel like Let's go to the birthday. Yeah, I'm going to go into sad birthdays now. Oh, dear. Sad birthdays. Um, Let's... Happy birth... Sad birthday to Rex Stout, who invented the... Stout. (laughs) <laughs> invented the imitator of Sherlock Holmes, Nero Wolfe, who had a series of novels in the 1930s, 40s and 50s. Uh, Nero Wolfe is much better than Sherlock Holmes. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm well in the market for that. Oh, dude, Nero Wolfe, he's massive, he's hugely overweight, never leaves his house, so people have to come and tell him things. And then he solves everything without ever leaving the house. It's thought experiments. Yeah. And oh, he goes brilliant. upstairs and he tends his orchids. Oh, wow. With his tiny little fingers. He's so often having his tiny little fingers. There's orchids in the uh, Maltese falcon. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are. There's a greenhouse full of orchids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Rex Stout, they're good kids. Get hold of them. Cool. Have um, you tried Dorothy L. Sayers, by the way? Which I is have. what we're talking about. This. Yes. Love that. Yes, Dorothy's great. Yeah. Anyway, come on, sorry. <laughs> Happy birthday to Minoru Yamasaki, who was the architect who designed the World Trade Center. Gosh. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a thing, isn't it? Yes, I presume he also designed other things, otherwise that's a bit... Yeah. ...a little disappointing. It'd be really gutting. <laughs> Happy birthday to Bette Midler. Can I tell you my story about Bette Midler? Yes, please do. So, um, I was recording... I've sort of blown the story already, by definition. <laughs> but I'm going to plough on regardless. <laughs> I was filming, and I don't want to name drop, uh-huh. uh, in Manhattan mm. <laughs> with... Ricky Gervais. Alan Titchmarsh. <laughs> In a garden. And I'm interviewing Alan Titchmarsh. Mm. And obviously, you know, he's a very busy guy. And I've got yeah. very limited time with him. I'm trying to film and I can hear this really, really loud conversation going on sort of behind me. And it's going on and on and on. And I'm just like, I'm trying to film with Alan Titchmarsh. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see where I'm going with this. So I turn around, finally, like, I lose it. And I just turn around and say, Sorry, can you shut up, please? And it was Bette Midler. Mm. And I was like, what have I done? When was this? What period of Bette This would have been 2003, mm. I would say. At the height of her powers. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. 
Barry Manilow was her MD, wasn't he? Was he? He was her pianist. Yeah. He's he's a phenomenally good kind of arranger and stuff, oh. Barry Manilow. And uh, he did all of her early music stuff. He, he did it all. I think he just, he just, it's like Nat King Cole. Yeah. Like, realised, I'm never going to make any money by being a brilliant musician. I'm going to have to be the one standing at the front. Yeah. So it was like, I'll do that then. And made all the money. Even though it wasn't necessarily the best thing they did. Ah, a tale for us all there. Yeah. Well, anyone... Nick Knowles is doing well there. (laughs) Happy Death Day Day to... uh, Magnus Ericsson. King Magnus Ericsson of Norway, also known as Magnus the Caressor. Oh, dear. Mm. Oh, dear. That was... was, When was that, sorry? 1374. It's not actually that long ago. So it's very pre-2017. Yeah, very... <laughs> and he was rumoured to be having an affair with Bengt Algutson, oh. who was one of his lords who he gave a nice big castle to. <laughs> I bet he did. Yeah. Um, happy death day. <laughs> I'm going to move on from this. <laughs> the biggest castle he'd ever seen. <laughs> It's the moat you had to worry about. Yeah. Happy birthday to George Everest, after whom we have the mountain called Mount Everest. But his name wasn't pronounced Everest at all. He was George Everest. Really? Yes. So that's what we should be saying? Yes, it should be Mount Everest, but uh, no one's ever said that. Oh. Because it was, you know, the 19th century, so no one knew how anyone... Everything was written down, so just went, oh, Everest. Yep. That's my oh. But George Everest, he died on this day. Gosh. Before that, it was called Mountain 15. <laughs> was it really? Yes, Mountain XV. Doesn't mean we need a name for that, Mountain really. Mountain 15. George, what do you think? I'm just going to ask George Everest. George Everest, what do you think? What about... Mount Everest. <laughs> what? <laughs> and also, happy death day to Alistair Crowley, the Satanist. Okay. Who lived in Red Hill as a child and used to wait for children to come along behind his house to go to school and then jump out at them to scare them. I was kind of okay with the Satanist bit. Yeah. But that's that's not okay. Not a very nice child. Okay, well, let's move on. Round two. (laughs) Matt, this is it. Seven, six, last one of the week. Uh, Okay. You need to... Go Sorry, big. I think I, I think we're. Fine. Oh, are you? Oh, okay. All right, Mr. Cockshaw. <laughs> I'm going to take you to the first of December, 1919, when Lady. Six Ast- years away from mine, by the way. Mm. It's a close call. Go on. Six years before or six years after? Before. Okay. Uh, Lady Astor becomes the first female MP to take her seat in the House of Commons. Oh. Filling in the seat. Damn you. Vacated by her husband. Lord Astor, who had gone to the House of Lords. Lady Astor was quite eccentric and got only more eccentric during her life. There's a lovely story about when she was out campaigning for the seat uh, in 1919. She was talking to um, a young girl who opened the door to her while she was with, I think, an admiral. She was taking an admiral round, showing him, her, or someone from the dockyards in Plymouth. She was being shown round Plymouth, which was her constituency, by a member of the Navy, and a young girl opened the door to them and said, Ten Bob! <laughs> and Lady Astor said, 
What? I beg your pardon? Oh, she's an American, Lady Esther. Right. So the, the child said, Upstairs room, leave ten bob. And again, they all look confused. <laughs> My mummy told me that if a woman came round with a sailor, I should tell them to use the upstairs room and leave ten bob. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which I love as a story. That's amazing. Um, she was quite fond of the Nazis. She was hugely anti-Semitic. She was great friends with Joe Kennedy, who was at that point ambassador to the UK, and they wrote lots of lovely anti-Semitic letters to each other. Um, she was so fond of the Nazis, she was known as the member for Berlin. Um, wow. And so she was so mad that in 1945, the Conservative Party got her to stand down because she was too mad even for them. Wow. After which, she just got more mad. <laughs> she went on a trip <laughs> Double to... down, man. <laughs> Steve she... Bannon style. Yeah, she went on a trip to America at which she told a group of African-American students that they should be more like the servants she had in her youth. She told an African-American church that they should be grateful for slavery because without slavery, they would never have known what Christianity was. Christmas. Yeah, and she introduced herself... Um, Oh, she went to Rhodesia and described herself as the daughter of a slave owner on her trip there. So that's Lady Astor, the first female MP who took her seat on this day in the House of Commons. First woman to be sitting in the House of Commons. Um, not the first woman elected. That was Constance Markiewicz, who was a Sinn Féin MP, so of course didn't sit right. in the House of Commons. But Lady Astor was the first woman to sit in the House of Commons on this day in 1919. Something about those uh, pioneering women in politics. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Lady Astor, she's the first female MP to sit in the House of Commons. That's my round two. Okay. Mm. I'm going to 1913. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Ford Motor Company Mm. institutes the world's first moving assembly line Mm. ever for the Model T Ford. And not only, of course, did it revolutionise the entire process of manufacturing Mm -hmm. with 16 and a half million cars sold even now it's eighth in the top 10 list of the most sold cars of all time what yeah and of course famously he said you can have any color it's black well well there we have it well yours is better if only for the 10 bob yeah, the ten upstairs room. Upstairs room, ten, ten bob. bob. I think you've won that. Phew. So we're in a tiebreaker situation. Yeah. This is unprecedented in yeah. date fight history. Yes. And we've decided what we do to yes. decide who's the winner <laughs> is we're going to click on the random article yes. link on Wikipedia and, and just pitch those against each other, right? Yes. They might not be historical. We have to be aware. These could be things like... Yeah. Potassium. Vo- volcanoes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Ready? Okay. Steady. Click. think you're going to win okay go i have forbidden voices the documentary film as i'm sure you know by director barbara miller about the fight for human rights and freedom of speech of three female bloggers from cuba from china and from iran yes yes i remember it well Mm. it's an extremely important well of course you would because it won the prix de soleur in 2013 the prix de quoi prix de soleur all right i mean yours is okay yeah but i've got the album no wave the debut album by James Blood Ulmer's Music Revelation Ensemble, mm-hmm. which, as you know, featured saxophonist David Murray, oh, yes. bassist Amin Ali, mm-hmm. and drummer, all together now, Ronald, Ronald Shannon Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> Good. 
recorded in 1980 and released on the German Moers Music label. And of course, this great album had just four tracks. Timetable, 10 minutes. Big Tree, 8 minutes 45. Baby Talk, 9 minutes 36. It sounds so bad. It sounds so bad. And the guy's wearing this one of those... This is my nine-minute track you know called those Baby Talk. Embroidered fez things. Oh. What are they called? This, oh, I don't know. This looks like the worst thing. I think you've lost. I have lost, man. <laughs> That's so gutting, man. I worked so hard to win this week. Partly because Forbidden Voices is a compelling and deeply disturbing oh, documentary. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Whatever. It's forfeit time. I don't even know what the forfeit's going to be. No. Uh, well, I can tell you. Mm. Um, uh, I'm going to give you a really lovely face mask. I'm going to pamper you. So, <laughs> more than being a bad thing for me, it's a lovely treat for you. Right. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got this beanie frog and I'm going to yeah. put that on your and that's just for energy that focuses all the energy right. onto your head and into your skin do you have any allergies? no oh mosquito bites and uh, walnuts right well this is a pure walnut <laughs> and mosquito venom <laughs> face mask <laughs> so this should go well Good. Um, and the rule is that while the forfeit happens Nat, because he always wins, <laughs> tells us about one of his um, favourite or most interesting uh, moments in history, mm-hmm. uh, or persons in history. Yeah, so, it doesn't feel like much of a forfeit for you at the moment. I'm pampering you. <laughs> right. I, this would be my this dream. Like I'm doing a lot of the This work. is like a spa day for you. I see. Ah. Every day's a spa day for me. Now, did you notice that I said you saw me wash my hands, right? Yes. Because I wanted to make sure that you knew, because uh-huh. I take hygiene very seriously <laughs> in my line of work. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when you massage someone, I don't like that. you have to flick away the... Do you not like touching? I don't like that. <laughs> fine. Do you want to give me a face mask? No. It make you happier? No, face mask is fine. It's just the shoulders. Oh, OK. Well, what would you like to talk about? Uh, I don't know, for some reason, the Duke of York has been on my mind recently. As, as for many of us. Yes, so I thought we'd talk about Dukes of York and the song, The Grand Old Duke of York. Oh, brilliant. Do you want me to start? Yes. Yeah, I nice, have to close my... Oh, it's a nice colour. God. <laughs> you, can, oh, you can really smell the mosquito venom. <laughs> so the song, The it, Grand Old yeah. Duke of York, actually isn't very old at all. The earliest version that we've got is from 1913. Yeah. What's your normal moisturising regimen, by the way? Uh, I just hoon my face into a vat of uh, rendered lard. Nice. And hope that the pig juice makes yeah. my face more supple. Do you know, I'm seeing effects immediately. <laughs> Imagine you would. Um, so the Grand Duke of York isn't very old at all, and we don't actually know which Duke of Ukip... Duke of Ukip, for interesting. It'll come. That's what he wants. It'll Duke come. Of, yeah. <laughs> Just an ordinary man who wants a joke to. Are you feeling um, the energy coming I to your am, skin? I really am. The, oh. the frog energy yeah. is. Um, if you start me. to feel your throat constricting, just yeah, let me know. I will do. I will. Just with signals. Okay. <laughs> There'll be. I'll make a choking sound. Anyway, sorry. Grand Old Duke of York. Grand Old Duke of York. We don't know who it's about. The first version we have of it is from 1640s, 1650s, and that is about. It's the King of France in that one. It's the King of France who had 10,000 men and went up and went down. Um, right. So the theory that it was just about whoever was thought to be rubbish at the time. Uh, uh, 
Dennis so is it Lewis just a, a general disparaging term? <laughs> You're a Grand Old Duke of York. <laughs> You're a Grand Old Duke of York, yeah. Ooh, I'm losing my headphones. Oh, no, oh, the, the frog. frog. No, that's very bad <laughs> for your energy. I can mid, imagine. Mid-treatment, right, okay. that's catastrophic. Right. <laughs> You'll probably die within an hour. <laughs> Huge cerebral <laughs> aneurysm. Right, uh, go on. So, OK, there are, general, there are a few candidates who it could be. It could be um, Richard, Duke of York, who gave battle in vain. Yeah. Um, I'm just, ooh, that's right. yeah. um, and then it could be um, James II, who was yeah. Duke of York before he was James II. Yeah. Or it could be George III's son, um, Frederick, I think, who was Duke of York at Albany, right. um, who uh, only ever led an army um, against Napoleon and in Flanders and lost terribly. So it could be about who. Yeah. But, um, the problem with that idea is there aren't many hills in Flanders to go up and down, so it's probably not about Flanders at all. Yeah. I'm not oh, there the are French versions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving that. I'm finding it difficult to concentrate on the Dukes of York. Yeah. Um, in fact, Duke of York's, Dukes of York are generally rubbish, looking back at it. I mean, Richard of mm-hmm. York wasn't. He was quite good. Yeah. Um, but he died before he got to become king, so that's a bit rubbish. Okay, so generally, it's a pretty rubbish story. Uh, yeah, because I mean, they're, yeah. they're also not the Prince of Wales. They're always sort of the younger brother. Oh, I see. It's a sort of... The spare brother. It's second prize at the, yeah, uh, at the being feast. Yeah. Are we done? Yeah. I'm going to turn off the the lights. I'm going to cover you in a towel. I'm just going to leave you for the rest of the week. Lovely. Thank you.